Hello, and welcome to Mornings with Joel, commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. The history and uh, philosophy and my perspective on the economy today and 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 what's happening that that might be that might be helpful but the um i mean the main thing i would tell people in this business and and a friend of mine a guy named bill howell impressed upon me uh one day he was actually been, been sharing office space with me on on park avenue he, he used to run mitsui's entire real estate pro- program and he's got the patience of a gnat he's just a very direct guy and uh, so he was in my office for like three to six months, he was transitioning and stuff. He says, Rich, I need to talk to you. He goes, you know, you are like one of the most talented people I've ever met. You're incredible. But the problem is, you know, you try to do too many different things and you're really going to have to focus. You have to decide who you are, what do you want to be and do that. You can't do all these other things. It's just not possible. And he talked to me like he was my dad, you know, and it really helped. It really helped me. So that's extremely critical with in real estate. So depending on what what you're doing, whether if you're doing leasing, you're doing multifamily, you're doing industrial, you're doing consulting, you're doing brokerage, you have to develop a very high level of expertise and knowledge and market information, so people will will partner with you and engage with you. So you can really bring value, which is a lot easier to do today because of technology. You can figure out a market very, very quickly. I'm working with a very large international foundation now. We're we're in the middle stages of negotiating how we might engage, but they have all these different cities they want to invest in around the U.S. and some places around the world. And she keeps saying, hey, what about Cairo, Egypt? I said, that's, that's not a problem. What about Brazil? I, we can do that too, right? Well, West Africa, not an issue because, you know, I'm a couple phone calls away from getting to somebody that's in that market or can help me understand that market. Then the process you use for investment, that doesn't change. Every market's a little bit different, but with the access to information today, it's really powerful in terms of, of you know, what, what, what you can do. And then the other thing I would strongly advise is you have to look at the, the margins for the work you're doing, that it's actually profitable. And anytime you can get someone to pay you a retainer and do consulting along the way, that's really critical. So you have cash flow while you're waiting for some of these other bigger opportunities to, 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 to manifest. Yeah. No, very good point, because <clears throat> I know that that was um, one of the questions that's come up before. Is how do you how do you eat while you're waiting on all these things to happen? I mean, a yes. five dollars worth of deals doesn't happen in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, no, they no, they they, they take a long time, and so you really gotta you got to be very honest with yourself about how long you can survive and what you can do. I do think we're in an extraordinary time now with the new awareness of people of color, and a lot of companies are looking for partnerships and 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 talent because they can't continue the way they used to work. And you're hearing 
I mean, I'm getting stuff every day and we're putting together a really big vision to address uh, some of the uh, wealth gap that would include affordable and, and workforce housing by meshing together opportunity zones, 4% tax credit, a government guarantee, and a rent-to-own, a rent-to-own multifamily okay. for, the, for the tenants, which really addresses a lot of the big issues that people of color suffer from. And I'm very careful. I try not to use the word minority or black anymore because mm -hmm. all that language has to change. But I think you're seeing such a rapid reset in our country now that that those of us with access and talent, it's a fantastic time to position yourself. I mean, Daryl Carter and Victor McFarland were telling me a lot of their peers from these larger firms are calling like, wow, we, didn't, we really didn't get it. Now we understand we want to put money in. We have we want to commit capacity. How can we help? So we're putting something together to give them an opportunity to help in a really big way. And I think that that will happen. And you hear Bob Johnson talking about going back to the 40 acres and the mule. But, you know, he's not that far off. This is a debt that was promised to people 200 years ago and has never been paid. It needs to be paid. That's why you have a, you know, the average family in this country net worth $170,000 and people of color at $17,000. And that's because where where everyone started. Yeah. So these things. So, so there is a there is a lot happening, and I think a lot of it does have to do with real estate. That I think position your position yourselves out there in the media and talking to some of these majority firms, you might be surprised some opportunities that that the door will be wide open. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. I know um, Oprah's show the other day was talking about okay, what's your ask? And now is, is right. probably the time better than ever to ask for what you want. You know, yes. this is what we want, and and push the envelope, push the issue, uh, and try to get it. So um, I know I've been doing that on my own front, and I'll tell you about that off off camera, so I do not hold the time from everyone else here. But you're absolutely right. I think you're spot on. You know, now is the opportunity to do it, get your stuff together, and get out there and try to make it happen while the awareness is there before it goes away. Um, I give the example of Haiti. You know, there was a ton of commitments and promises. And right. then once the new story changed, right, then all of a sudden it just went away. And you look at Haiti today, nothing's really different. So we yeah. want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Uh, here yeah. I've seen this movie many times in my career. Mm -hmm. I think this is different. I think it's real. There's so much happening. And you're hearing executives talking about their company is going to operate and adopt anti-racism practices, right? That's pretty powerful words. Uh, Anna McCoy and I actually set up a nonprofit entity for the Anti-Racism Society of America. And that entity will have ethos to it. And companies will be graded and awarded if they meet these eth ethos. So for companies, companies have to examine themselves that they did it. They did operate as a racist entity, and that's not hard to figure out. Let's just start at who's on your board, who's your executive staff, what's the employee base, what vendors do you use, where are your facilities located, 
what 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 nonprofits groups are you affiliated with when your where your companies are associated? Mm-hmm. And they're gonna and they're gonna say, "Wow, I guess we were racist, and we we can't afford to do that anymore." And I'll I'll, I'll close with this. So my my uh, really great example. My sister Adrian Gaines is an executive with a radio network called, called AURN out of New York. And they have affiliates all across the country and they do podcasts. Most it's a you know organization focused on people of color. And they have Fortune 100 companies that do their advertisement on there. Companies like General Mills and Uber, a lot of Sprint, a lot of big companies. And two weeks ago, four big accounts canceled the advertising. Hmm. So we're, we're we we don't want to run this advertising. We're we're out. So that was shocking, given all everything that's happened. So they called them back. So well, why are you doing this? They said, look, we we still want to support the marketplace, but we are unhappy with our previous commercials. We don't want to present to this audience in this way, and we're trying to figure out how we want to present ourselves. So they took it upon themselves to redo the advertising. Mm-hmm. folks at AURN and because they asked them well what message do you want to send because the old message ain't going to work and they redid them and they were thrilled with it came back recommitted and then added another 50% of advertising to the budget Wow! so this this is how serious how serious this is right now Ben and Jerry look on their website they have a bold statement out there that it's time to end institutional racism in this country so it's it's this is here to stay and i just encourage all of you to to take advantage of it it's it's here and be a resource and a solution for people in the areas that you have you have expertise and people are going to have a hard time saying no i mean if you look at the the me too movement how quickly that happened mm-hmm. and you saw a heads roll that you thought would never roll yeah. right I mean, even steve Wynn, chairman of the largest gaming company in the world had to step down mm-hmm. because of some things that he did that were deemed inappropriate so this is moving that quickly yeah. and a lot of people are going to be put, pushed out of position and it's not it's not going to be tolerated any longer and I really think some of the economic things that need to be put in place, it has to be a 20-year plan. Those, that's the terms that we're using. 20-year commitment to go in and address the institutional inequities in our communities. And everyone knows what they are. There's no mystery what they are. But in 20 years, our children and our grandchildren will have a very different experience, finally. And, that's, and it's possible. And it's going to happen if corporate America is behind it, not the government. The government's going to be helpful, but if corporations are behind it and they see it affects their bottom line and their employee base, that moves a lot quicker than anything the government might want to do. Mm-hmm. So I'll leave you all with that. Thank you, Joel. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we'll catch up on other things. But, hey, I, I certainly appreciate you coming today. And, uh, guys, any final words for Richmond before we let him go? All right. I see hand clap. Well, thank you for your time. Hi. Thank you so much for your time. I have one quick question. Near the beginning, you said you said to be aware of legislative change and environmental change. 
Yeah. And I, I often try to keep up with legislative change because that definitely impacts um, the direction that money is flowing. But what are some of the environmental changes where you made some different investments or you knew this was an opportunity? Oh, okay. So, so when I speak to environmental, that, all, that includes social change. I mean, green buildings, all these things are important. It's really changes in our society, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so that could include, I mean, we bought some shop. I live in Miami. We bought some shopping centers here in, in Miami and Dade County. And in the early in the whole period, within like the first, it was primarily the, the retailers were servicing a, a black population. But within three years, it changed to Hispanic or Latino. So we had to go actually, and the, and the sales were going down. It's a different customer base. So we went and met with the retailers like, dude, don't you understand what's happening here? <laughs> right? So so they, they had to change it. So those types of things are, are critical. Then you look at, you know, mass, look at mass transit. Those are environmental changes that that come into play and you you look at communities being gentrified well where are you in that process are you are you coming in at the beginning of it or at the end of it it's going to have a huge effect on on your investment strategy so you have to be really conscious about what you're getting into and and i always use use a term for development or investment which is asset-based Development or asset-based investment. What's that mean? Why is that community going to be able to sustain itself long-term? Is there a hospital there? Is there mass transit? Is there a football stadium or a baseball stadium? Is some big companies going to going to move there? You something that's going to have that property perform over a long period of time. So you can see a great property. Oh, that looks great. I think it's going to go well, but it's sitting there by itself. It's going to fail. It's a bit like an orphan. Orphan needs a parent. So those asset-based development is absolutely critical in asset-based investment because you have to have a way to harvest that investment once you put your money into it. So I'm going to be coming to Seattle sometime in July. So, Ron, I'd like to get your information. Maybe we can meet when I'm up there. That'll be great. I'll make sure you guys get together. That'll be okay. Great. Yeah. Are you? Uh, Ron, take okay. advantage of it, man. Are right, you guys have a great week? Okay, okay Rich. Thank you. thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. So, everybody, um, hope you found that uh, beneficial and informative. Yes, definitely. That was awesome. <laughs> Good that was stuff. awesome. Yeah, like I said, it's um, it's an amazing story, you know, to be a, a a black guy going from driving a taxi driver to five billion in real estate deals is, you know, it sounds like Fantasy Island, you know, but um, yet and still, uh, you know, he's doing it. He's active in the space and he's done it. I didn't expect him to give all that detail. I expected him to just kind of say, you know, some cliff notes and kind of get to the end, but he kind of walked you through how he did it. And I, I know leasing was part of uh, one of the things that needed to be talked about on the call or wanted to be talked about. So I wanted to bring somebody on the call that had experience in leasing uh, so he could kind of talk about that and, and show you how 
he was able to morph that into more, you know, where it, it went from leasing into fund management and making investments like that and then doing some of his own stuff. So uh, glad you got value out of it. You know, that was the whole objective. So appreciate that. Mr. McCoy may mention of, um, of a, I think it was a PowerPoint or a presentation around the seven bridges. Is it seven bridges of financing or raising equity? You know, to be honest with you, I don't know. Uh, I got to go back and take a look and see exactly what he was referring to. I, you know, there's, I, I've known Richmond 20 years, maybe close to it. So, you know, over the years, we've, I've, I've got so much stuff from him and we've gone back and forth on so many things that um, I just got to try to find exactly what he's talking about. If I can't find it, I'll get it from him and I'll make sure I get it to the group. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Anything else from anybody else today before we, we head on? So, all right. <clears throat> well, I hope you found that, a, <clears throat> excuse me, hope you found that a value again. Um, you know, we're coming up well. We got about 14 minutes to go before we, we normally shut down. But um, I'll continue to try to do this as the weeks go on so that, you know, we can bring people of value to the table that are doing some of the things that uh, you might want to do. Uh, if you remember, I did ask if there is something that specifically you want to hear about, uh, just send me an email and I'll try to get uh, someone that I know in my Rolodex to uh, come in and speak and see if we can make that part of the plan. But um, but look at some of these people that he talked about and some of the things they've done. You know, John Utenthal, Dick Parson, most of us know, he was the uh, chairman of Citibank for a while. You know, Victor McFarlane is, uh, you know, kicking butt out there in San Francisco. Daryl Carty, Val Carter, rather, down in um, uh, Orange County, California. He's doing a whole lot in multifamily. He has a tremendous portfolio. These are people that we know, they're minorities, and that I can put my hands on it to come to the group as well. So uh, just let me know what you want. We'll try to make this a value. So, all right. So anything else that uh, we need to cover? Are we good? Anything anyone else want to add? All right. Well, Bruce, thanks also for coming today. First time on our call. Thank you very much for being here. My pleasure, always. Absolutely. Well, let's definitely keep in touch. And, um, Ron, I'll get you uh, Richmond's information so you guys can get together when he heads out there to Seattle. Like I said, that's a good meeting to have. Don't miss it. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be worth your while. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody. Thanks for coming today. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for everything. You've been listening to Mornings with Joe, commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. Please check back weekly to hear our upcoming guests.